0: all right welcome back to another episode of sean eds do baseball i'm sean and i'm eds and we are bringing you
1: some baseball history. That's right. We're a bi-weekly baseball history podcast where the story receiver does not know what the storyteller is going to be telling you. That's
0: right. So I got no idea what Edzie has in store for me, except I do. You sort of do. I do, kind
1: of. We're coming back again. We've been promising this for a while and we're finally doing it. Yeah. This I'm is, finally doing
0: it. This is, a, this is a first for us and it's a first because it's part two. But it's not right back to back, so. uh <laughs> <Ed's> <laughs> no, I was gonna say
1: uh, we've done two part episodes before. We, we
0: have done two part episodes, but they normally go back to back. So we we took a break with this one. Uh, There's a World Series in there in the playoffs. So. Oh yeah, hundred percent. We had to we had to do our October. By the way, October mm-hmm. is over. It's over. It's What's over. It's November tenth. 10th. Tenth. 10th. This is. Oh yeah, you're winking at me because it's it's not the tenth. Yeah. Um. So November tenth. Uh.
1: Braves, World Series champion? Yes, finally. A team that I was actually cheering for wins the World Series. Oh, right. It's been a couple years. I was completely indifferent. I I was indifferent as well, but I mean, if I had to pick one of the two teams... You picked the Braves. I picked the Braves. I mean, obviously, a lot lot of people would pick the Braves just to not cheer for the Astros, but my my mom's mom was a Braves fan, so... Okay. right,
0: Well, I can can live with it. Uh, not, Not not the World Series matchup I was hoping for, but uh, Anthopolis gets a ring.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and You're the fanboys.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> Acuna not being there is, is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I don't even know, other than Max Fried, I don't even know most of their pitchers. They're bullpen world. But, anyways, let's get back into. The past,
1: yes, that's <laughs> not right.
0: the present. Yeah. Uh, so this is part two of an episode we did a, a few our back. Our fiftieth episode. Our fiftieth episode on Albert G. Spalding. Albert Goodwill yes. Spalding. That's yeah. That's you right. See, I did my work. homework. I did my homework. <laughs> I, listened. Nice. I listened. Nice. I um, listened. Before you listen, follow us on Twitter at doing baseball or on Instagram at doing dot baseball. Uh, yeah, give us a like or a follow or a tweet or a, a, a,
1: a review. I don't know. Yeah. Just do something. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean. And uh, yeah, of course, thanks for listening. Yeah,
0: so we're coming at you. We got part two of Albert G. Spaulding. Uh, I know we're we're, we're not just going to leave you hanging here and go right into it, but uh, you can definitely check out the first episode of that, as I say, episode 50. And Spaulding is such an interesting character, and I'm so excited to hear about the end of his life, because the beginning of his life was pretty freaking crazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll also learn a lot about the early days of uh, baseball tours
1: and barnstorming. Mm-hmm. I, w- I will say that I, I don't actually even get to the end of his life. It's not This isn't even really a story. He left. hasn't died yet? No, he's <laughs> died. I assure you he's dead. <laughs> he's and, <a> <laughs> and thank goodness for labor relations in baseball that he is dead. Yeah. But, yeah, th- this isn't really about uh Spaulding's uh, life and death or whatever. This is just... Remember I kind of uh, left you guys hanging before about what happens when he goes to California? Oh, yeah. This oh. is just kind of the later part of his, like, business life. Anyway. So we're going to kind of recap a little bit uh, what we went through in the first one. You should listen to the first one, but we're going to go through here. So, anyway... uh Spaulding, as we mentioned in the other episode, was a lonely child and he moved to Rockford around the time of his father's death and, you know, being the only one from his family who moved to Rockford, he was lonely and he found sanctuary in baseball. So he moved up through the ranks and eventually pitched for Rockford's best team, the Forest Cities. And in 1867, the Washington Nationals were touring the country like a DIY punk band. Mm Mm-hmm trying to make a name for themselves in the early days of baseball. And uh, President Andrew Johnson was allowing the Nats to practice in the fields behind the White House. Not only that, they were getting fake government jobs, which was just absolutely atrocious (laughs) at the time. given a salary and a fake government job. Yep. So uh, George Wright and the Nats come to play the Western Farmers. Who had become a bit chesty about their brand of baseball? I fucking hate when people get chesty with nothing. I can't stand when people are chesty. Chesty too. So people suck. And these farmers,
0: yeah, they were, they were getting chesty. They were getting real to chesty the, to the
1: East Coasters. Yeah, so they go out and they have these two big marquee matchups in Chicago against the Atlantics and the Excelsiors. Uh huh. Would be Stan Lee's favorite club. Yeah. Um, and Spaulding's Forest City team were invited to participate in what was, I guess, kind of considered a warm-up game. Yes. A couple days before that, on July 25th, 1867. And Spaulding pitches an absolute (laughs) Jim, that's right. And he only allows 23 runs,
0: 23 runs. <laughs> Can you believe how low scoring a game that was? That's right.
1: He, so the Forest City beats the Nationals 29 to 23, as you mentioned. Yeah. And Wright was impressed that yeah. Spalding was able to get the win. Yeah. Well, I mean, he
0: got <laughs> the win. He Only, only, you know, almost two dozen runs, but he...
1: You know, he, he them. kept them under 28. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Which is all he needed to yeah, do. exactly. Okay, so everyone's on Spalding's nuts now. Yeah, they love him. And the Nationals fold in utter embarrassment. Oh, of
0: course, of course. I mean, you could only score 23
1: runs. <laughs> yeah. Pathetic. Yeah, it's disgusting. It That's is absolutely it is. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> so then Spalding gets picked up by Chicago for a short time, but he yeah. returns to Rockford eventually. And then uh, in 1870, on, well, on tour, he pitched a victory over Cincinnati, who were managed by Harry Wright, George's brother. And then he was recruited uh, to Boston when uh, Wright took over the Red Stockings. hmm Right? So right. This is where we kind of start to pick up a little bit of the story. Of, of Albert G. Spaulding? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, we start to pick up where I left off before. I mean, I'm still recapping. Anyway, I'm going to say Continue, something. continue. Yes. yes. So Albert's now off in Boston. Mm-hmm. He's making waves on the mound as a successful pitcher, and he marries Sarah Josephine Keith in 1875. Wonderful girl. Wonderful right. girl. Yeah. She was from a respected Boston area family. Yeah. And as we discussed in the other episode, this marriage was in spite of the fact that he was continuing the relationship with his former fiancé back in Rockford. They loved each other. That's right. Him and Elizabeth Churchill loved each other. They absolutely did. And she was also married to George Mayer. Yes. So we got two affairs. Yeah, they're both fucking mm-hmm. around.
0: Well, it's one affair affecting two relationships.
1: I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, it's two affairs. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. One affair, yeah, I see what you're saying. I'm just trying to get words in here. Anyway, yeah. So they're both fucking around, and whenever Albert was back at home, and he and Lizzie had an illegitimate son that they named Spalding Goodwill Spalding. Because it's the best name in the history of
0: names. That's right. I will name my kid to Corey Campbell (laughs) to (laughs) Corey. That's a great
1: name. Exactly. Yeah. And of course, uh, affectionately known to us as Spaldy G. Spaldy G. Spalding. Yeah. And uh, Albert and Josie also had a legitimate son named Keith. Yes. So he gets a promotion to captain manager, Spaulding does, of the Chicago White Stockings by William Hulbert, who is attempting to start a more disciplined and less unsavory, shall we say, league.
0: Yeah. Right. Definitely. Definitely lots of room for people having bastard children
1: <laughs> and naming them stupid names, but none for drinkers. <laughs> That's right. And this was the National League. So... Spalding gets offered $2,000 and 25% of the gate. So it's a pretty good salary, and it suits his, his, his values.
0: Yes, right? yes. But even still, he goes to his mother. That's right. He goes
1: to his mother, <laughs> and he opens a sporting goods store. Mama, I need $800. That's right. So he goes and gets $800 bucks from his mom for some reason, even though he just got paid two grand and 25% yeah. of all the Chicago gates. So he opens this store in 1876 in February. And then eventually, he's got a bat factory going in Hastings, Michigan. That was like making a million bats a year by 1887, and he was baseball's first millionaire. So, in 1878, he moved. Or yeah, in 1878, he moved from the field to the front office when it was much more lucrative to be an executive. Mm -hmm. And he became the White Stocking secretary, and then the president after William Hulbert's death in 1882. Yes. So, so I, I mean, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so over the next
0: few years, like, to, to summarize this, right, he essentially, he, he's very successful at the beginning, correct? Yes. But then he just goes, well, as soon as they have the slightest bit of of inconsistency, he just sells everybody for cash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: All the drinkers and shit. All the drinkers. Oh, yes. yes, of course, the yeah, drinkers. Yeah, yeah. He was trying to purify the team. That's <laughs> right. But he built uh, dominant teams in the 1880s. Yes. They won five pennants. Yes. And uh, so, and then in 1890, that's when Spalding and the rest of the owners bullshit the Players League into submission. Yes. Which is a whole other episode. I believe other, that's three. in the
0: teens of the episode. I think he that's
1: 20 and 21.
0: 20 and 21, yes. yes. So, the, so he, he played a key role in the Brotherhood War. Yes. Uh, in gaslighting the. The what was it, the Brotherhood League or the Players League? The Players League into uh, believing that they were unsuccessful and folding uh, without them knowing that they were actually very successful com- compared to the yeah. National yeah. League, which Spalding was a part of.
1: Yes. So he retired from baseball in 1892 when he turned over the team presidency to James Hart. And then he quietly collected a fortune from his sporting goods empire throughout the 1890s. And then suffered the loss of his wife, Josie, in 1899. That's why we got side pieces. Yep. But that didn't matter because he still had Lizzie. Exactly. And after her husband died, the two were married in 1901. That's right. True love finds a way. That's right. And when I say we, Angela,
0: I mean, <laughs> I mean us 1890s sports executives.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yes. yes. Thank you for clarifying that. Just letting my <laughs> wife know. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, okay, when he finally married uh, Elizabeth in 1901, I finally legitimized Spaldy G and allowed him to change his name to Albert Goodwill Jr. Yes, yeah, so that is the greatest <laughs> tale in history
0: of a man accepting his bastard son and then allowing him to take his name at the age of, like, 20 or 25. That yeah. is absolutely... Like, it's tr- ludicrous. It's ab- no, absolutely ludicrous. It's ludicrously tragic. Yeah. I mean, who, like, I wish I could meet that guy to just give him a hug and tell him mm-hmm. it was okay. It was fine. It's yeah. fine. He's not really your dad, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, as we talked about at the end of the 50th episode, we mentioned that after a failed run at the National League presidency in 1902, which he lost to Uncle Nick, mm-hmm. young, uh, Albert retired to California. And that's where the story that's picks right. up. But why? Why? Why well,
0: did he go to California? Okay, well, Where did he go in California? Well, I have
1: so many questions about. to find out. Remember Albert's new wife, Lizzie? Yes, his old fiance. from
0: Rockford or
1: wherever. Yeah. Well, Lizzie was a big follower of Theosophy. What the fuck? What? Theosophy. Okay. You ever heard of Theosophy? Not yet. Okay. Theosophy was a religion that began in the United States in the late 1800s. <laughs> this is going well. It was founded by a Russian immigrant named Helena Blavatsky, and her teachings are mostly from her writings. <laughs> Scholars, as most of them are. Anyway. We're not like, so just like, anyway. Okay. Scholars categorize it as a new religious movement, obviously, and it was some links to occultism. Theosoph- Theosophical groups, however, maintain that their belief system is not a religion. Blavatsky insisted the same, but did refer to it as "quote the modern transmission of the once universal religion." So she's like referring to it as a religion, but she's like, "Oh, being, it's not a religion. We're, we're, it's not a religion. We're just talking about about."
0: all. Like, the universal religion. Universal truth. I'm just, I'm I'm just super special, and like, I got this like, God thing that's telling me what to write, but we're not. We're just, Mm -hmm. it's not. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's what's going on with her.
1: Theosophists regard it as a system that embraces what they see as the, quote, essential truth underlying religion, philosophy, and science. So, theosophical groups allow their members to hold other religious allegiances. So... So it's not like you know, it's not very hardlined. It's just you know, it's like yeah, like it, it. You kind of we were kind of like putting it down a little bit earlier, but like it is kind of like they are drawing like kind of the universal thread, like from like all so their the religions. So like, they're like, like take
0: all the religions and all the science and all the basic humanities, and you got us, this Russian chick.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, Theosophy centers around the idea that there is a secret brotherhood of spiritual adepts who are known as the Masters. Okay, it just got crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and although they are found all across the world, they are centered in Tibet. Blavatsky alleged that the Masters, quote, cultivated great wisdom and supernatural powers. And Theosophists believe that they started the modern theosoph- theosoph- Theosophical movement. By passing their teachings through Blavatsky. What? Yeah. So these yeah, guys. That's just
0: her saying that. So she's so. like, hey, everybody, Just uh, this is just some regular stuff. You can believe whatever you want. But there's these guys from Tibet. And basically they're magic. And they
1: told me to tell you what to do. That's right. Okay, <laughs> and she said the masters are attempting to revive the knowledge of an ancient religion once found prominently across the world, and which will once again rise to eclipse the existing world religions.
0: And and what evidence is presented of well, this? Well, the masters told her. Okay, all right, like I'm we. All right. <laughs>
1: okay. There's not much. That's what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. No. I guess they didn't have the internet to really look all this shit no, up. Back absolutely then. not.
1: No, <laughs> absolutely not. Theosophy has a single absolute, and the universe is an outward reflection of this deity. Okay.
0: I got gotcha. you. The
1: purpose of human life is spiritual emancipation, and they believe that the soul is reincarnated upon the body death, according to a process of karma. So Spalding's fucked. Well, Spalding's <laughs> fucked, but this
0: essentially, like, this kind of sounds like Buddhism. Yeah, but like, it's like,
1: it's got a little bit of everything. Bit, in there. Like,
0: no, yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. I, I definitely love
1: the, the it, cultism. It was, it was kind of known for like, kind of making some of the Eastern religions more known in North America because this was such an Americanized. Really yeah. Like that. Yeah.
0: Well, that, that makes sense, especially if you're getting your marching orders from Tibet. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, um, okay. Wow. Did not expect this. Yeah.
1: So it promotes universal brotherhood and social improvement, although it does not a particular code of ethics. So there's no like 10 commandments or anything. It's just like be good to each other. Yeah. Which is pretty, pretty chill. Pretty chill and pretty solid. So in 1875, Blavatsky started the Theosophical Society with Americans Henry Olcott and William Quan Judge. Blavatsky and Olcott relocated to India and established the Society's headquarters at Adyar, Tamil Nadu. Gotcha. Okay. After Blavatsky died in 1891, there was a split in the Society. And then Judge formed the Theosophical Society in America, branching off from the original international society, right? So Judge led the new society for a year until his death, at which point uh, Catherine Tingley took over, although her identity was concealed for another year, because couldn't have a woman running it i assume that's why they guess, but it was originally well, yeah, it true. was a woman it was blavatsky
0: originally so wait, yeah I, Catherine, I don't know katherine katherine who katherine Tingley. but she's not she's not spalding squeeze is she no okay no. i was like whoa no, if, she...
1: if spalding ended up no marrying. no no no, 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 no. Okay. this is just another lady <laughs> you'll, you'll see her significance in a minute
0: okay so they keep her secret for a year
1: yeah they hide her identity for a year. It's not really even clear why they did that. Eventually, they revealed who she was. Yeah. But in 1898, Ernest Temple Hargrove seceded a group of about 200 Theosophists from Tingley's group and started their own organization in New York City. So they're branching off all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. Typically happens in religions or whatever. But then on February 13th, 1900, she moved Tingley moved the society's international headquarters. To, Point Loma, to the Point Loma community near San Diego, California. Ah. Okay. Now, Spaulding had been a prominent member of the Theosophical Society under Judge. Uh-huh. And in 1900, along with his wife Lizzie, who was also a devout theosophist, packed up and moved to San Diego to help support Tingley's new Theosophical community, Loma Land? Loma Land. Loma Land.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. So,
1: they're you know they're out of baseball. They're off to just Spalding's. i like, am joined the cult. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm out of here. That's right. So back then, San Diego had a smaller population than Rockford at the time. Yep. And the military had just started a foothold on the Pacific Coast, and really now the whole Pacific Fleet is there. Like...
0: Well, yeah. You also have the the what would have caused that would have been the the. War in the Philippines as well around the turn of the century in the Spanish-American War too Mm -hmm. which would cause them to militarize more of the West Coast and the Southern Coast for sure.
1: Right. Yeah. So when he was arrived he or when he arrived he was greeted with feature stories in the San Francisco Examiner that mocked his departure from baseball. (laughs) The one article featured a drawing of Spalding sitting on a horse with a sketch of his new home at Loma Land covering its body which was headlined quote Leaves baseball for mysticism.
0: <laughs> and- Editorial cartoons
1: sucked back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Look at this guy; he's on a horse. I don't know why they drew his house on the horse. Like, yeah, it makes-
0: <laughs> well, I guess he's he's just. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't quite make. Sense. Like I get the joke. They're poking at him, being like, "Look, you're you're a you're a baseball legend." And millionaire of the sporting goods industry, and look at you, like going to San Diego. That'd be like somebody, you know, moving to that's the true. North Pole. That's a fair point, right? Yeah, that's it, true. There's no baseball in San Diego that's,
1: at this time. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And uh, it it also had a caption that said, "For six, baseball for theosophy." <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I,
1: so I'm I mean, really upset about it
0: Yeah, but I mean he's a, Like, we I don't particularly like him So, you know, that's he's fine too, with me Yeah, I'm not complaining It's fine that
1: it. he left <laughs> uh, Another article alleged that it was all Lizzie In its headline Quote, Spalding becomes theosophist by marriage Famous athlete, converted by his wife Has become member of the tingly school of mystery at Point Loma <laughs> Tingly School of Mystery. This is the longest headline ever. Tingly
0: School of Mystery, man, that is the greatest fucking thing ever. <laughs> I, well, I will say, it does sound. It sounds like, like a school of magic. It does. It sounds amazing. If you, <laughs> if someone was like, "Hey, do you want to go to the Tingly, tingly, tingly t- What is it? The Tingly School of Mystery. The Tingly School. That sounds just so pleasurable and it sounds and like something down, like
1: Clifton Hill and Niagara Falls.
0: Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, honestly, uh, well, it sounds like his wife was probably a big... Yeah, she
1: was big into it, but so was he. Well,
0: yeah, but these guys, they've been together even when they were married Mm -hmm. to other people. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I I think it is kind of a... figure would come up. Well, yeah, they're, like, starting a new life together. They had this whole life when they were, like, having an affair and mm-hmm. illegitimate children. And now they can be together, so they're like, let's really be together and join yeah. a cult in tingly <laughs> mystery school. <Yeah. laughs> Pratted horse down to San Diego.
1: <laughs> and that's what they did. Exactly. It's, it's beautiful, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And as he would, because he's Spalding, Spalding once became an influential figure. He spearheaded the development of a paved road from San Diego to Point Loma and Ocean Beach, which was known as the Point Loma Boulevard, and which eventually became California State Route 209. Amazing. And then Rosecrans Street. What? Not that Rosecrans Street. Oh,
0: man. <laughs> Rosecrans.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I just love that he was
0: just like, hey, guys, this road's bumpy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 My horse
1: stumbles My all over horse. the place.
0: I was thinking that maybe we could get one of those cars to come down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get
1: that unless we pave our road. <laughs> That's pretty much what happened. He proposed the project, supervised it on behalf of the city, and even paid some of the cost from his own pocket. That, I'm sure he was like, let me, I'll head it. I'll make the team and I'll have yeah. these
0: construction workers and they won't be able to leave and do any other construction projects. Yeah. Even if I tell them they're fired, they can't, can't <laughs> work for anybody else. I'll call the reserve clause. <laughs> I'll yeah, call it the
1: it. construction reserve clause. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Genius. So he teamed with a bunch of other businessmen in the, com- in the community, community-minded men, and purchased the site of Presidio of San Diego, a historic fort if you don't know i don't know if you know i did not uh and then they developed it into a park and donated it to the city of san diego so they're doing some good stuff there too mm-hmm. well it's all good stuff i well, guess you know, it sounds like this road. is
0: integral to the early
1: development of san diego yes it is uh so at this time i mean he's outside of baseball sort of but There's still stuff going on in the world of baseball, obviously. And one of the things at this time was a debate going on about the origins of the game itself. Ah. Right? There was one faction that believed baseball had been invented in the United States and another faction that believed the more reasonable notion that the game descended from the British game of rounders. Uh, Yes. Right? And how it began was with a lawyer named Abraham G. Mills. Okay. This was like how the debate began. At this time, as we know from previous episodes that take place in the nineteenth century, it was a pretty common for teams to take players from other teams, even if they were already under contract. So, when teams lost multiple stars at once, they often had no choice but to fold. So, there were teams popping up and folding, folding, popping, popping up and up folding, folding, all over the place. So. um Mills wrote a newspaper article that questioned these practices and even outlined a plan to prevent the raiding. National League President Hulbert noticed the article and requested his input on the solution, which eventually became the 1877 League Alliance. Hulbert was impressed by Mills' contributions and hired him as an advisor. So, when Hulbert died in 1882, so Colbert was the White Sox president, but also the president of the National League. Yes. And he died, and they immediately made Mills the new president. He was just an advisor before. He wasn't an owner of a team. He oh, just, so he, he was president lawyer. of the league. Yes. President Not of, of the, the White league. Sox. No, no. no. Okay. No. You're Spalding, wearing a White Sox hat, which is right. cool. Spalding's the White Sox president. Yes. That's what I thought. Mills is the National League president. Okay. So, uh, and then he resigned in 1884 pretty quickly in principle after the National League owners voted Henry Lucas to own the new St. Louis franchise and he left because Lucas was founder of the Union Association which did not honor the reserve rules which were decided at the League Alliance so he was pissed he was like well you're letting this guy in we're trying to do
0: something
1: that's right that's that's how how we're we're trying to do do something here guys I I
0: I thought I thought we were all on the same team here not letting Henry come in and ruin it all that's right. That's
1: exactly what happened. His <laughs> so, name was Henry, right? Henry Lucas. <laughs> okay, yeah, you like, got it. <laughs> that was one of those double first name <laughs> <laughs> names. So in 1888, as we talked about in the first Spalding episode, Spalding organized a baseball world tour. Yes. It like, went all the way around the world to Egypt and all that, you know, Sri Lanka and all that stuff. And when they returned, they held an extravagant banquet at Delmonico's restaurant in New York City with 300 guests, including Teddy Roosevelt and Mark Twain. And Abraham G. Mills was the MC. <laughs> the theme of the event was focused on how the game of baseball could be an ambassador for America to the rest of the world. Oh, wow. Mills declared in his speech that baseball was, quote, strictly American, which he claimed was determined through patriotism and research. Well, one of... Okay. <laughs> well, one of those things is 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 r- r- r-
0: like I guess something to you can't just be like it's american cuz america. Well, <laughs> I mean, is it you can you can have you can have a patriotic view of the game, mm-hmm. but you can't you can't say it's you can say my research says this and I believe, but you can't just like throw it out there like that's like a factor. Weekend. okay fine like but no it's it's not a thing it's, obvious, i can't say i can't say i like this book because i'm patriotic like i can but it's stupid yeah, it makes no sense it makes no well, sense you can do it i can do it i could say i love margaret atwood i've never read her books but she's canadian so i love like you know <laughs> it's de- like but that's what i mean if i said oh i've read all her books uh then i could be like I, I mean, I don't know. Go ahead. Go You're ahead. Digressing. I'm, I'm
1: digressing. I'm yep. digressing. Just tell me what the stupid Patriotism and research. Said. The audience reportedly responded by shouting, No rounders! No <laughs> rounders!
0: <laughs> Boo! And then they all got in a boat and headed across the Atlantic to <laughs> invade England. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: This was 1889. Yeah. Then, in 1903, so a couple years go by, Henry Chadwick, <laughs> Henry Chadwick, the famous writer's statistician and historian who was credited with creating box scores, batting average and earned run average Wow He's like kind of father of statistics or whatever mm-hmm. So he, he's from England So he wrote an article that noted the numerous similarities between baseball and rounders So he's been stewing for he, like 4 years He's like, this is fucking bullshit This is, this, is, this is not an American game well,
0: that's what happens when you bring patriotism into something that is like strictly a yes or no answer. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh, he wrote the article of the similarities and the similarities. Both have nine player teams. There are yep. four bases. Yeah. And there's alternate batting over uh, X amount of innings or whatever. Yeah. So the only difference was that there was sticks, not bags for bases in rounders as opposed to baseball. And there were no foul balls in rounders. So anything's in play. You make contact with the bat, it's in play. Kind of cricket-like, I guess. Yeah, it
0: creates like a 360-degree playing field.
1: Yeah. 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 So Chadwick wrote, quote, There is no doubt whatsoever as to baseball having originated from the two centuries-old English game of rounders, which Spalding strongly argued against in the next edition of the Spalding Baseball Guide. (laughs)
0: Listen here, Englishman, <laughs> you fucking limey. Yeah, yeah. You know, I joined a cult and I'm living yeah. in San Diego. And I even know that baseball's American and there's no, like, I, why? Like, what, what's the know problem with that? I don't know what's why? the problem with just being like, well, there, it's a new game, but like it came from this game.
1: Yeah.
0: I guess because they hate England. I, I guess. I don't
1: well we're gonna continue you'll see. Yeah, you'll see i did not expect this episode. i little bit of a little like of a little bit of I think it's money-related. But... You'll see. Get to the part where Spalding dies. You'll see. I don't get to
0: that part. (laughs) So this debate goes on
1: for a couple more years, and it all comes to a head in 1905 when Albert G. Spalding called for his own investigation. What? Wait a minute. So in 1903, Chadwick writes this article,
0: and then he rebuts it in the Spalding Baseball Guide to Baseball or whatever. The next
1: edition. Yep. And, and then that's not the end what, of it. Apparently, what do you mean
0: he's calling for an investment? Who the fuck is he? He's Albert G. Spalding. Yeah, I get it. But like, <laughs> it would be like, like what? Like what? Do we have? I'm trying to think of an example of like, like Dick Sporting Goods being like, we need to figure out who invented football.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just totally not yeah. important. But even Chadwick supported the idea. So Chadwick was like, yeah, yeah, fuck around and well, find out. Like, well, go exactly, look research, yeah, yeah. research. Yeah. yeah. So Spalding forms a commission, and they were instructed to decide if baseball's predecessor was the American game of Old Cat or Rounders. And And... Okay. I'm not really Just, familiar with what old cat I'm, is. I don't think it's really different from rounders, but I can't say that for sure. Okay. Anyway, it yep. was a seven man commission called the mills commission. Okay. Okay. And Spaulding chose members who supported the old cat idea and excluded those who believed in the Rounders theory. See, we all knew what was about
0: <laughs> to happen there. Yeah, We all knew. I was going to ask you, but I thought I'd just let you get to it. I'm like, yeah. and who was on the commission? A bunch of fucking Americans, wasn't
1: it? <laughs> yeah, it was Morgan uh, Bokehli, who was the first National League president. Mm-hmm. Arthur P. Gorman, who was the ex-Washington Club president. Uh-huh. Uncle Nick Young. Al Reach and George Wright, who both also stored, sold sporting goods and guides. Yeah. And uh, Mills and Spaulding.
0: Like, what is the, what's the point of a commission? If, <laughs> if you just, all just
1: have a commission, If you have a bias. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: The commission asked all around for any information the public might have on the early days, but evidence supporting Spaulding's all-American theory were lacking. Spalding still maintained the theory of rounders was "quote pap," and also claimed he would "quote refuse to swallow any more of it without some substantial proof sauce with it." Yeah, I need some fucking proof
0: sauce and a, proof and proof and sauce, a side man. of and a side of, of, sauce of and a honesty mustard. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they're just like, we'll just ask the public. Hey, anybody, anybody know anything about this thing that happened 40 years ago? Mm. Like, just, what were they doing? Were they just, like, sending people out to the
1: street corner with flyers? Put it out in the newspaper and stuff. Well,
0: I guess, but once again, like, they're just relying on somebody to just... They're just relying on hearsay.
1: Yeah! And you'll see what happens. So, like I said, they asked the public for any information they could offer, and eventually they did receive some. (laughs) from a 71-year-old mining engineer from Denver, Colorado named Abner Graves. Graves wrote a letter to the editor after seeing the Mills Commission request in the Beacon Journal, and in his letter claimed he had seen Abner Doubleday create a diagram of a baseball field. So a random Abner was just like... This Abner drew right. a diagram, and I saw this Abner do that once. That's right. That's the only claim that he has. So uh, that's Abner bias.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <So,
1: laughs> Doubleday was a well-known career Army officer who, during the Civil War, became a major general for the Union. And he famously fired the sh- first shot in defense of Fort Sumter, which was the opening battle. yes. And he was also pivotal in the early fighting at Gettysburg.
0: Holy shit, I did not know that about him. Yeah, he's kind of a big deal in the Civil War. Yeah, I, I vaguely had the idea that Doubleday was was involved. We're talking about the Doubleday, actor. Yeah, Abner Doubleday, not yeah. this crazy old man. That no, not is. Abner Crazy Graves from <laughs> Denver, Colorado. Yeah. I read in the newspaper <laughs> yeah. this war hero drew me a picture once. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he did. Well, that's amazing. I did not know that about Doubleday though. That's yeah. wild.
1: So that's kind of that's you know it's kind of important that he's such a big deal in the war, right? Yeah. See, that makes him attractive.
0: Well, exactly. And, and adds to his American lore and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: patriotism. <laughs> and adds to the lore of the game. 100%. Right? So, And also, attractive to Spalding, no doubt, Doubleday was a theosophist.
0: Oh my fucking God. Are you kidding me? No. No.
1: What? So this was likely music to the ears of Spalding and the Mills Commission. Because now, not only did they have an American dad for the game, but an American hero.
0: I... You're ruining my perception of reality right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I had an idea that the whole notion of Doubleday inventing the game was... What the fuck is this? Yeah, well, this is what's going on. Like, this is some shoddy-ass history... And oh my God! Like not your history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like what they're trying
1: to yeah, do. Yeah, what they tried to like. Well, it's kind of accepted now. But anyway, we'll, we'll like continue. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the letter claimed that Doubleday set the game up in 1839, and invented it as a modified version of town ball. It's just another game that's getting thrown in. Not there. cat is squirrel not, or whatever not, the other. Not word. old cat. It's <laughs> town ball. Yeah. So Graves claimed the game was between students from Autosego Academy and Green's Select School. And Graves even claimed that they were both students at Green's. And Graves was about 15 years younger than Doubleday. So right there, that first red flag.
0: What? He's 15 years younger than Doubleday? Yes. And he's like, yeah, we went to school yeah, together. we were on the same team at school. I played in the game. Like, if anything, I'm trying to think of this time. Like this is like the early, ni- this is the 19-aughts, right? Like the yeah. early. and yeah, so Yeah, like guy,
1: 1905.
0: And he's saying that, oh, yeah, this happened back in 19, 19- or eighteen 18- thirty 30. 30- like, what? Yeah. First of all, are, weren't you like three years old and you were 15
1: years? Like, none of that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So they get this letter on April 3rd, and then on April 4th, the Beacon Journal ran the headline, Abner Doubleday invented baseball. Are you fuck? So <laughs> mm. mm. they didn't mean, need much uh, confirmation, obviously. No, 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 no. They just put it out there. Oh my god! So there was some more coverage on the subject by Sporting Life later in 1905, and then Spalding, I guess I'm assuming, was kind of asked to write graves for more evidence. To support his claims? Hey, old man, do you mind expanding on that a
0: little bit? Expanding a little bit. Uh, Some people have some questions. I don't, because Doubleday is a theologer. (laughs) Theosophist. 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 Just like me. Wonderful man. Against drinking. Totally pro-sex outside of marriage. (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) So, Graves sent a diagram with a letter claiming it matched the one that Doubleday had drawn, saying the original was lost and most of the players were dead. Here's a picture. It's the same one that Abner drew, I swear. I just am drawing it myself. Yeah. And don't ask year- anybody, because most of those guys uh, are dead. Right everyone's now. dead. We're all the same age, but... But they're all dead. They're all dead. I've killed them all. <laughs> <laughs> and he apparently then he now changed the game that it was somewhere between eighteen thirty nine and eighteen forty one. Okay. Didn't have, like, a specific date anymore?
0: Yeah, we're really good. Uh, This (laughs) sounds really like some great information.
1: (laughs) Really solid. Yeah, (laughs) solid journalism. Yeah. So despite the fact that this really was not any new evidence at all, Spalding accepted the story as fact, and upon the information's reception by the other members of the commission in October of 1907... Mills wrote a report that, quote, officially gave credit to Abner Doubleday for inventing the game in 1839 and thus proving the game to be American in origin. I'm speechless. (laughs) I am absolutely speechless at how stupid this is. You want to hear some more stupid shit? Yes! He wrote that he, quote, understood why Doubleday would make changes to Town Ball,
0: what do you mean? Based you understood? On what? Oh yeah, yeah, town ball was everyone knew its flaws. <laughs> it's of course obvious and but it was Doubleday the genius that invented this, but it was purely obvious what, what he was thinking mm. because he was so unique and, and genius that it was just uh, anybody could have done
1: it. <laughs> just contradict <laughs> like I hate it. He also wrote that he thought Doubleday might have created the modern put out system. Like tags and throws, as opposed to throwing the ball at a guy to get him smashing at it the ball into yeah. the guy's skull. Yeah. <laughs> Even though there was no claim of this by Graves whatsoever, he's just—they're just throwing extra I'm, stuff in the report. I'm
0: pretty sure he invented the tag. I'm yeah. just gonna—you know what? They were probably playing tag, right? They were playing tag and town. Someone's like, "We should play town ball and double day." day came out genius. Double He was a baby at the time. He could speak. He was a very fluent baby in several languages. And he came and he was like, "What if we mixed tag, and town ball and cat scratch all together?" And uh, we—that's how baseball became,
1: mm-hmm. according to to, to according Abner, Abner Graves. Yep. So the rest of the commission members, except Gorman, who had died, signed off on the report. He probably killed himself because <laughs> he, he, did, he, it. Knew it, he knew how unethical this was. <laughs> yeah. And it was the report's acceptance of the, quote, Doubleday myth that Spalding was able to claim the American origins of the game in his baseball history book, America's National Game. Oh, my God. So that's like the first, like, history of official, official history
0: of baseball. Yeah. Son of a bitch. I'm honestly, like, my whole childhood, like, (laughs) I was lied to. (laughs) About (laughs) Doubleday? Oh, yeah. You thought that was a real thing? I went to the Hall of Fame when I was like eight. I learned all about Mm. Doubleday. Not real. Oh, my... Not real. Mm.
1: In the book, Spaulding claimed delight that an American army general had been found to be baseball's creator. It was also funny, however, that Spalding chose not to include Graves' name in the book at all, but instead said that the content regarding Abner Doubleday and his invention of baseball had come from, quote, a circumstantial statement by a reputable gentleman. <laughs> now that's an attribution but just cut that out in case anyone ever tried to track down Abner Gray he was a really reputable guy
0: wrote me a letter once I asked him can you confirm that then he drew me a picture yeah exactly (laughs) are you kidding me
1: (laughs) when you put it like that it's just ridiculous (laughs) yeah when you say it out loud yeah yeah so that is the long story of how Spalding moved on to California and continued to be kind of a jerk. <laughs> well, he just, it
0: doesn't make, like, he, it's, a, it's a pure invention. It's just, yeah, it's just Based like, on it's, some it's, nationalistic
1: it's, fervor. Yeah, it's extreme confirmation bias. Like, as soon as he received that report that suited the narrative that he wanted, he was just like, let's put that out there because I can sell some fucking books. And oh. eventually, so a lot of baseballs. If it's like, if we can patriotize this game, and well, get like everybody, you know, behind like when you talk America's pastime, you
0: know. Well, when you talked about the national myth and and how the you know in the first part of this uh, about how the national myth would be challenged, essentially, mm-hmm. like I didn't realize that you were actually going to be challenging.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm not, ch- I'm not challenging it. You're it's, just putting the history I'm out just, there. I'm just saying that this is like what the history is. But there's there's like lots of historians and reporters. Oh, that yeah. Like, this was accepted for essentially like 50 years. Yes. And then people started like scrutinizing it a little bit and were like... Wait a second! Like all your whole confirmation was just based on one letter from a guy in Denver. Like that doesn't make sense. Like especially when they all have all these contradictory claims. Like and Graves even was being contradictory later on. Yeah, as well because he like did an interview in nineteen twelve, and. In that interview, he specifically put the game in 1940 or 1840. Sorry, yeah. And he was said to have played for Green's College. Well, he said that before, but like he would have been four or five years old, and the records show that he like went to Frog Hollow and Elementary School. Yeah, at the same time.
0: So So. I mean, it's it's wow. Like I I knew there was like yeah, I guess I knew there was challenges to the Double Day history, Mm -hmm. but I didn't realize like how you know, I guess, I, I don't know if I'm using it right, but, like, the emperor has no robes or whatever, no clothes. Or, yeah, like, yeah. it's just so... Mm-hmm. It's. It, it, am I using that phrase right? Emperor's...
1: No, no, life, not I, wearing I think, any clothes? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just like, I, well, I don't know. I don't know yeah, yeah no, it, really but it, but you know it,
0: what I mean? Like, the moment you, you start questioning it in mm-hmm. any way, it kind of comes apart.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: But, yeah, it's like a Cards.
0: Yeah. Well, that's that's are you done? Yeah,
1: that's it, man. I'm so, I'm sorry to like destroy your childhood, but anyway, Abner Doubleday definitely did not invent baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we talked about that when we went to the Hall of Fame a few years ago, I well, guess. Well, that's
0: what I mean. I think we 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 understood the myth of of Doubleday, but I didn't realize how uh created it was like, mm-hmm. like like you know i thought it was just like oh like oh it's the myth that this guy in the like he was a union officer and he mm. created baseball and it was just kind of a thing yeah, that, it, that happened slowly right. but i didn't realize there was this fraudulent commission put together I by was, Spalding yeah, yeah and that he belonged to a new age religion that except especially was just like well, I'm just looking for you know someone that is gonna give me the story I want to hear and that's gonna sell, mm-hmm. because fuck rounders or whatever. Yeah, no, s- rounders. no rounders. No rounders. No
1: rounders. All right. Well, that's a uh, continuation of uh, <laughs> those the continuation of the Spalding episode. And, that was yeah. that was a hell
0: of a second episode. Holy shit! I mean, that first episode is great if you want to get into the the DIY aspect of of early baseball and. And uh, you know what a hypocrite uh, Spalding was. In this episode, you know, obviously we summed it up pretty well at the beginning. But wow, like I did not understand, you know, <laughs> the the f- what Spalding had
1: done. He's like touched so many aspects of baseball. He's probably the most influential person that we've covered in this whole show. Yeah, there's there's
0: no doubt about that. Like I say, my I'm I'm. Questioning everything I learned as a child.
1: <laughs> well, that's what we're here to do on Sean Ned's Do Baseball, and uh, so we thank you for listening, and yeah. uh, hope you can follow us on Twitter at Doing Baseball, Instagram at Doing.Baseball, Give us a like or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts wherever you're listening to us. Thanks for listening, and uh, yeah, check yeah. us out. Jesus Christ! All right, until next time. I'm having an existential
0: crisis. I am Sean, <laughs> and I'm Eds. And uh, we were doing baseball. That was that was Spalding.
1: Okay, bye, bye. Sorry, Sean. <laughs>